Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 14. Don't forget Monday night prayer tomorrow at 7. Uh, at six. Have we moved that to 6.30? <laughs> Monday night prayer tomorrow at 6.30. Wednesday Bible study at 6.30. We'll get it right eventually. We wanted to start a little earlier in the, in the uh, darker months, when it gets dark earlier. And we, we surmised that 6 was too early. 7's too late, so we'll split the difference. See how that works. I'll change it on the sign eventually, and uh, but remind yourselves that we'll we'll see how that works. That'll still allow time. Like if Bill has to go to work at eight, he'll still have time to come to prayer or Bible study or whatever. And uh, some of the rest of us, different things go on, so people get home late from work. So we'll try six thirty, Monday Bible, Monday prayer and Wednesday Bible study. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Now in the King James it says, The Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And that everlasting strength, in my margin here, says, Or in the rock of ages. For the Lord Jehovah is the rock of ages. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength, is the rock of ages. Father, we love you, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your blessed, holy word and the anointing upon your word. We thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive your word, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of your word. We thank you, Father, for all of us, for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you for spiritual freedom in a free country where we have freedom to pray, praise, speak, and teach your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you, Father, again, for your love poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit and that we minister your word in love. We thank you. We thank you again that our faith doesn't stand in man's wisdom, but in your power, the power of the living God. And Father, as we study, we thank you for revelation, heart knowledge of your word, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge of your word, where we're not ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. We thank you that we have the knowledge of the truth, for the truth makes us and others that we come in contact with free. So we thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you. We thank you again as we receive today from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been talking, we started talking last week actually, about following a plan. Following a plan. And whether, you know, whether you're in business or whether you're, uh, whatever you're doing, whether you're in, in school or uh, if you work somewhere or do something of that nature, whatever it is, uh, we know that we need to have a plan for our lives. We need to have goals. We need to have visions. We saw in our text last week where there is no vision, in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The people perish. Happy is he who keeps the law. The King James actually says where there is no vision, the people perish. 
But the New King James says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So we know that, uh, that there's areas of our lives where we have to have uh, a plan. We know we said too that a lot of people, Christians included, in this day and age, live by a, a fly by the seat of your pants lifestyle. And, and you know that, you know that being slang and stuff. We just we we need to explain what that means. They just have no plan, that everything just falls into place as the day goes, and, and lacking direction. They don't have goals. They don't have incentives. Sometimes, in spite of themselves, things work out. Not because of it, but in spite of it, uh, things work out. But most of the time, that there's confusion as the end results. And the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And we don't want to live a life of confusion. I don't know anybody who likes to live that way. We were uh, we were watching a movie the other day, and, and Bill and I actually, and we and it was it was in another country, a crowded busy narrow streets you know to me I, I don't I don't like confusion that just seems like a a life of confusion I, I don't want to live that way that's why I like to live in the country with a longer driveway you know you can go down the driveway your, your house sits there it's nice uh, you can breathe outside without somebody hearing you we've lived in places where you could actually hear the phone ring next door we've lived in places where you you know, I, I went to, to paint some window frames around our house and I, I couldn't get the ladder at the right angle because the house next door was too close. And those were old houses. Those weren't, they, hopefully they don't build, I know they build them that way now in the city, but, you know, that's not the type of person I am. I don't like a lot of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. There's no reason that we need to live. And, and that tightness, that always jammed up type of an atmosphere, some people thrive on it. Some people love living in the city, but I, I can't do it. That's mayhem, that's confusion. And, and a lot of people's Christian walk is the same way. They have no plan. Winging it, we said, doesn't work in the day in which we live. We don't teach and preach by winging it. We should have a, a minimum, though, in our personal lives uh, of a general plan. And we went over the general plan. Specifics are vitally important, too. But the general plan has to come first. Why? Because God has a general plan for your life, and he has a specific plan. We saw it in Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. He said, I, I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That doesn't sound like somebody that's just, you know, going on a wing and a prayer, right? Then you'll call upon me and go and pray to me, and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. He said, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I'll bring you back from your captivity. He has a specific and a general plan for you. So you have to have that too. And it takes time to, to formulate that sometimes. And it may change throughout the course of your life. It generally does. But we still need to, to follow a, a general plan. We said the general plan isn't hard. Uh, I read to you Brother Hagin's prophecy from February 1964. That's almost 50 years ago. You know, I, I even could add that in my head. But he said, in that prophecy, he says, Yes, my child, I've already given all things 
into your hand if you will believe. There's no good thing withheld from them who walk uprightly before me. Scriptural, right? Yes, I'll move mountains to bring to pass that which you fervently believe for. Mountains are removed by faith. So if you'll not doubt in your heart, we'll leave no reservations in your mind, but will say in your mind and believe it implicitly in your heart that God cannot lie. He will not fail to do all he has said he'll do. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. Say it unto the adversary. Claim the words of the living God as yours. And the adversary has to flee when you speak the word of life. For what God has ordained, it shall come to pass. Do not be fearful. See, this is all... Prophecy is scripturally backed. You don't just spew out a bunch of words. Do not be fearful. Trust in the God of the universe and allow him to work out his eternal purpose in your own life. He has an eternal purpose for your own life. Allow him to do it. But it takes trust. We're going to talk a little more today about trust. But we said last week, we said we have a general plan. God has a general plan. Number one, live a life of faith. And I have all the scriptures. Uh, Bill's gone through the arduous task of typing these all out, printing them. It's, it's almost five pages. So if anybody, it is five pages. So uh, if anybody would like a copy of that, let me know. I didn't make, make extra copies because it's five pages. But I have all the scriptures from last week's message, which we're reviewing today. We won't read them all, uh, but they're all important. You have them all in your Bible. But this puts it all together. So uh, anyway, in, in Mark 11, 20, 22 through 24, we, we see about the life of faith. Have the God kind of faith talks about the law of faith and the prayer of faith. We, we said, number two, put God's word first. And we have five scriptures for that. Hosea 4, 6, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Joshua 1, 8, 9, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, and on. We, we know that God's word goes first. Maintain an attitude of praise and worship is number three. Live in God's peace is number four. And we've, like I said last week, we've already, we, we've discussed that at great length in December. But the one scripture we lean on there, Jesus said in John 14, uh, verse 27, he said, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So we live in the peace of God, his peace. Number five, we said cast those cares and leave them there. 1 Peter 5, 7, in the Amplified, tells us, cast the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns onto him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. And, and we should add there that we don't take him back. A lot of people want to take him back. We don't do that. We saw Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and John 16, 33. We said to rely on his wisdom, number 6 in part of our general plan. James chapter 1 is the wisdom chapter. We've been over that a lot too. We believe him for wisdom. He said, if you lack it, you can ask and I'll give it to you liberally. That means great abundance of wisdom. He'll give it to us liberally without finding fault. But ask in faith, not wavering. For that, Someone who wavers is double-minded, unstable. 
You won't receive anything from God, let alone wisdom. And finally, number seven, we said that, of course, in James 1.22, to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Those are the general plans. Specific plans are geared to your individual lives, goals, and visions. Everybody has an individual life. The only person you're with for 24 hours a day is yourself. You have to have specific plans geared to your life, your strengths, the things that you do, the things that you desire to do. Some people get into fear here. They think, well, God's going to give me something to do that I don't want to do. He's going to make me make speeches when I don't want to speak in front of people. He's going to make me go to the heart of Africa, and I don't want to go to Africa. He's going to make me do this and do that. So they get fearful about finding a specific plan. Now, he, the Bible says he knows our frames. He made us as individuals. He knows that I don't want to go minister in New York City. <coughs> now, if he asked me to go, I would. He hasn't, thank God. He hasn't asked me to go to Hawaii either. You know, I wouldn't mind taking a trip there and seeing that, that paradise. But he's not told me to go there and minister. You know, people get in fear. We need to see uh, ourselves and see what our vision is, our, our own specific goals and, and what his plan is for us. We need to see ourselves strong. We saw that in Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See ourselves strong in, in his power and his might. And Psalm 27.1. We have to see ourselves worthy. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 21. He made him be sin for us who knew no sin, that we would be the righteousness of God in Christ. We're his righteousness. Didn't do anything of our own other than accept Christ. We have to see ourselves as overcomers. And of course, Revelation 12, 11, You know, we know that one. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto the death. Unto death. So you put aside your own life at times. But I did want to go to Hawaii. Well, you needed somewhere else. We have to rely on his strength. Not our own to accomplish these goals. Uh, we, we didn't get to the scripture for this. Look at uh, Psalm 18. In verse 2. And looking at it in the King James. Regular King James. The old King James. Not the new. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer. My God, my, God, my strength. In whom I will trust. My buckler. And the horn of my salvation. And my high tower. See we sing that scripture. He's my high tower. Gives us all the power. Verse 3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. We sing that one too. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So we rely on his strength. We exchange strengths with him. Also in that opening in Psalm 18. In verse 32, 
another good strength scripture. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect or complete. God who arms me with strength. Over in Psalm 19 in verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength or my rock and my redeemer. Thank God. It's his strength. And of course, our text for today, Isaiah 26, 4, Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength, the rock of ages, never-ending strength. In Isaiah 27 and verse 5, Let him, see when we talk about exchanging strengths, let him take hold of my strength. This is the Lord talking. Let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Let him take hold of my strength. Exchange strengths with him. So we have to see ourselves strong, see ourselves worthy, see ourselves as overcomers, and rely on his strength, not our own, to accomplish our goals. Exchange strengths with him. Not fly by the seat of our pants. Not go on a wing and a prayer. As we said, he has a general and a specific plan. It's up to us to get before him and believe for his wisdom. So that brings us up to today. Following a plan part two, we'll call this. There's a, you know, even with a vision or a plan or a revelation, we have to act on it in trust. You know, if somebody uh, gives you, lays out a plan for uh, something for you, maybe, maybe you're going to build something and they give you the plans for it and you look at it and you, you think, boy, that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to meet my needs. It's not going to be strong. It's not going to be sturdy. You know, th this is not going to work. It's, you know, it might be cost efficient, but it's, it's too cheap. It's not built the way I want it. And you don't go with that particular plan. Even those of us who have a specific plan or, or a general plan or any kind of vision, any kind of revelation, we have to act on that plan in trust. And there's a simple formula for that. We've been over it before, but let's look at it again. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. So that's a four-step formula. You see that in those two verses. We see that a simple formula to trust and rely on God. Trust in the Lord, number one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not half-heartedly. Look at him, knowing that that plan that he has is for you. Understand it. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And some run aground there, because they don't know him well enough. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not half-heartedly. Number two, lean not on your own understanding. Here's another place where we, we run aground. Sometimes you have understanding on something. You know what you're doing in certain. You think, well, why would God lead me in a certain direction when I know how to do this? Why would he tell me to do something else? I know how to do this better. Well, nine times out of ten, he's going to lead you in an area where you know how to do something well, as we talked about before. But if you think about it, think it through, and, and continue to think on it, and lean on your own understanding, you may be misled. The devil will try to work with you and work through your mind, your will, your emotions. That's why we have to set aside and go back. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not half-heartedly. Trust in the Lord with all your heart once and for all. I'm going to go with God on this. I don't care what I feel like in the natural realm. It feels like I shouldn't be doing this in the natural realm, but my heart knows that I'm to do this. I'm to follow this plan. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. Don't lean on your own understanding. Number three, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. Well, I'll do it this, 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 and this way, but this one other thing I'm not going to do. No, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, you, you see that problem in the business world. And, you know, the, there's all kind of reasons for it. We can blame it on the day and age that we live. We can blame it on uh, individual stubbornness, whatever. But if a directive is handed down to you from the higher-ups... Even if you don't agree with it, it's your responsibility to do it. And we get this every day, you know. Well, you have to do this a certain way. Well, that's counterproductive. You know, you get a shrug of the shoulders and move on. Well, why should we do it? I'm not going to do it that way. That's fine. That's fine. Why should I go 35 miles per hour? In, in an area where we can, we can go 50 very safely. I mean, I'm just not going to do it. All right. You'll, you may run into the consequences. You may not. No. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything that you do, acknowledge him. Think about what he's guiding you to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. That word direct in the Hebrew is yeshar. To be straight, right, upright, pleasing, and good. Straight, right, upright, pleasing, and good. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. He'll lead us if you let him. He'll lead you individually. All of us as a group. <clears throat> Over in Isaiah chapter 48, we see another nice opening here. Verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Well, I know how to profit. Who teaches you to profit. 
Word teaches is lamad in the Hebrew. 3925, to instruct, train, prod, goad, teach, to cause someone to learn. He teaches us to profit. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God. Make no mistake about who's talking here. Who teaches you to profit. Who leads you by the way you should go. For all, for all, even the mule-headed people. He'll teach you to profit and lead you the way you should go. So we see. It's there for us. What would a modern day rendering of this verse be? John 16, 13 would be a good start. You know, Jesus told us about the Holy Spirit and he said he's going to do some things. He says in, in uh, verse 12, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. That's our problem. We want to hear everything right from the beginning. We want to hear the end plan right from the beginning. He told them the same thing, told his disciples the same thing. I've got a lot of things to say to you. You can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. You know, that's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. Guide. Comforter, counselor, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, helper, teacher, guide. He'll guide you into all truth. Not just the part that you think is true, but all truth. He'll guide you into all truth. For he'll not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. And he'll tell you things to come. Doesn't say he'll tell you everything all at once. He'll tell you things to come. I mean, here's here's a bunch of guys that had spent three years, you know, with Jesus, and he didn't tell them everything all at once. He said, You can't bear it all now. He goes on to say, He'll glorify me, for he'll take care of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he'll take care of mine and declare it to you. We've got that to stand on. He'll lead us and guide us into all truth. So even with a vision or a plan or a revelation, we have to act in trust. Trust in the Lord with all our heart, lead not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct our path. So... Number two, we have to pull on our heritage. You know, the Bible tells us that we're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus, right? Our heritage is our inheritance. That's what we inherit as members of the family of God. When you were born again, you became a member of that family. No matter what earthly family you were born into, you're a member of the family of God. So what do we pull on? Good question. Stay out of fear, number one. We talked about faith. Let's talk about the opposite of it. Isaiah chapter 54. And this is a good scripture to stand on, you know, every day of your life. Because there's always going to be somebody out there. I shouldn't say always, but occasionally you're going to run into people. For some odd reason, don't like you. 
and it may not be your fault. Or they've talked themselves into her, they're completely insane, or some, something of that nature. Somebody's told them something that wasn't the truth. Something has you know, caused them that. This is a good scripture to stand on. But this is a good scripture to stay out of fear every day of your life. Because you're going to encounter things in this life that would maybe cause you to get into fear. You, know, you might turn on the weather forecast and get into fear. You might look at the news and get on to fear, into fear. You might just look at see what you have to do for a certain day and say, well, I, you know, I can't do that. Well, it says here in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon. It goes on to say, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn doesn't just say they'll be condemned. It said you'll condemn. Why? Why? This is the heritage, the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. We're his children. You know, are servants going to inherit it before us? Well, we're also his servants. But, you know, that's another message on its own. This is the heritage, the inheritance of the servants and the children of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. There it is again. We exchange strengths with him. You know, we rely on him. We trust in him. And if you trust in him, you believe that scripture, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means weather. That means the economy. That means individual people. That means groups of people. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're his child. Yeah, brother, what if I bring it on myself? Well, you're still his child. You know, you may need to set some things right. You know, like I said, we're all individuals. But if you think, you know, well, I didn't do anything to cause this. Do you ever get in trouble at work or at school or whatever? And you think, I didn't do that. That, that happened to me a couple times in high school. I had one specific teacher that thought I did everything that went wrong in the class. My mom actually went to school and, and, and talked with the principal. She said, you know, he's getting blamed for everything. He wasn't even there one day, and she, he, she blamed him for something. Now, that's the truth. I'm not embellishing that in the least. For some reason, she thought I did everything wrong in the class. I don't know why. Maybe because I did a couple of things and got caught and, you know, Beyond that. But you, you know, you may be in that situation some area of your life. You know, I didn't do this. I didn't start this argument. I didn't start, you know, what and, and he says right here, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. It's your heritage, it's your inheritance, it belongs to you. So we need to stay out of fear, pull on our heritage. Pull on our heritage, of course, as always, by staying in faith and in trust. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that it's right on our, right above our door out there. We walk by faith, not by sight. You know, how, how can we do that? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 gives us a good plan for it, a good format. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 
You know, there's still nothing new under the sun. That hasn't changed. Therefore, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, it's a good thing we don't work in fragmented, fragmented sentences, right? I mean, that doesn't make any sense with the natural mind. While we do not look at the things which are seen, what, we have eyes in the back of our head? No, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, temporal, temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Anything in the spiritual realm is eternal, of course. So we walk by faith, not by sight. And stay in it. That's pulling on your heritage. Rely on and trust in Him. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. On Wednesday nights, we've started a study with Andrew Womack. It's called As I Have Loved You. And he talks about Christians and, and how he grew up and <clears throat> living on works thinking that he was you know perfect and, and uh, he said he, he didn't do it in love he did it, did it out of what he thought was right he said when he found out about the love of God changed his life here we see a similar situation Matthew chapter 19 verse 16 now behold one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? In other words, how can I work my way into eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the command, commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said to him, You shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, You'll love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said, If you want to be perfect or mature, go sell what you have, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man... Now, you know, people will grab that and think, Well, I've got to sell everything I own on earth. That's not what it... You know, let, let's understand what it says here. When the young man heard that saying... He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, <clears throat> you know, which also possessed him. You know, you can have wealth, but it, it doesn't need to have you. We can do great things with wealth. We ought to have wealth in the body of Christ. It's a selfish thing to say, well, I, I just don't need anything. Yes, you do. The more you have, the more you can give, the more you can... Uh, support the message of the gospel. And again I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We know that that's not the, a sewing, <coughs> excuse me, a sewing needle. That's the point in the wall where just people can get through or animals. But a camel laden down, they would have to unload the camel, 
take the camel through, take all the goods through, you know, and reload it on the camel. It's easier, you know, it took a long time. It's easier for the, a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God when his disciples heard it. They were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That word possible is dunatos in the Greek, Strong's 1415. Compare dynasty, dynamite, dunamo, and dynamic. Of course, that's a power word. Strong, mighty, powerful. In the neuter form, the word means possible. With God, all things are strong, mighty, powerful. Possible. With God, all things are possible. And you know what? That's part of our inheritance that we need to pull off. That's part of our heritage. Trusting God to the point where we know that with him all things are possible. Men will tell you that's impossible. You can't be healed from that many diseases in one year. You can't provide that much money coming from your income. You can't uh, be delivered from, from that power in this natural realm. Men will tell you that it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. He didn't uh, specify, well, you know, in, in certain areas. But with God, all things are possible. And that's our heritage, and that's what we've got to follow in, in, as we trust, as we build that trust. <clears throat> but, you know, this whole thing comes together if we understand in our hearts that we have a part to play. We have a part to play in all this. So many times we get the idea that because we're born again and we didn't have to pay for it, because we, we can get filled with the Holy Spirit on childlike faith, we can get born again on childlike faith, faith of a child, that we don't have to do anything then after that. Well, that, it couldn't be further from the truth. James tells us, in, you know, in James 1.22, we've been over this backwards, forwards, upside down, and three ways sideways, to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Deceiving your own selves. You're self-deceived if you sit and listen to it and even study it all your life and never act on the word. And some people think that being a doer of the word is doing something physically all the time. That's not necessarily the case either. There may be something that you need to do in the physical realm. You may need to go to a person. You may need to, to do something physically. But that, it's not always that. It's something in the spiritual realm we have to do at times. If you're going to be a doer of the word, you have to believe, and you, you're, you need something. You have to believe God for it and act on his word. You have to stand in faith. When you've done all to stand, stand. Putting on the armor of God. Studying is, is being a doer. Acting on it is being a doer. We have to understand and find out who we are in Christ. If you go by everything that everybody else tells you, you know, that's called the primrose path. You'll be going down it. You know, we, we have a little book that we have access to. 
that Brother Hagin put together. You don't even have to, to look all for yourself. But it, it, it's called in him. There's 155 scriptures listed in the back of this book. And if you just looked them all up and read them, it would take you days probably just to read them. Well, I know, it wouldn't take days because we've all got the Bible on, on phones and on, you know, we've got electronic Bibles and it's on you know, the internet and you know, falls out of the sky and hits you in the head. But still, read it. Understand what it is to get it in your heart. 155, in whom, in Christ, uh, by whom, you know, all, all these scriptures are right here in the back laid out for us to understand who we are, what our heritage is. You, you read these, it'll give you a, a, an idea of it. You get them in your heart, that's trust. That's knowing someone. In him, in the beloved, in the Lord, in whom, by Christ, by him, in Christ, by himself, by his blood, by whom, from whom, through Christ, through him, with Christ. All, you know, and on and on. That's who we are. You know, you've heard people say, People, you know, leave their job or get a divorce or do something, you know, life-changing thing, and they'll they'll say something like, "I just had to find out who I am." Yep, here's who you are as a Christian. You know, I, I've never had a problem knowing who I am after I got born again, and I don't mean well, I'm. You know, Mr. Big Faith, I'm John W. Eckhart. You know, I've been born again for X number of years. I've, you know, had a driver's license for X number of years. I've lived on this planet X number of years. No. Who you are in Christ is who you are. And we have to find out, get that in our heart. But we, we know we're born again children of the King. We're in the family of God. Like I said, faith for salvation is childlike faith, and, and we can and we should have that childlike faith in every area and receive it with with meekness. The Bible says, with gentleness, the engrafted word which is able to save our souls, minds, wills, and emotions, put them together and keep them together. But we we'll, we have a part to play. We still have to living a life of faith takes action on our part. Being a doer of the word. Let's look at James chapter two, and we'll close with this. James chapter 2. This is after chapter 1, obviously, because 2 comes after 1. But sometimes we go backwards and look at Scripture in certain areas, but verse 22 of chapter 1 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. James chapter 2 and verse 14. The heading here says, Faith without works is dead. And everybody gets scared when they see the word works. We can't work our way into heaven. Faith is, or salvation is a gift. You know, yes it is. It definitely is. But, he goes on to say, and that word works is really just corresponding action. What does it profit, my brethren and sistren, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother, and, and, and you might say, well, you know, I was saved by faith didn't have any works, you still, you still had to believe God. That's corresponding action. 
whether you mumbled it, whether you prayed a canned prayer, whatever it is, as long as you got it in your heart, made Him your Savior and Lord of your life, that's corresponding action. So he says, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, one of you says to him, depart and be in, in, in peace, be warmed and filled, or I'll pray for you, brother, but you don't give him the things they're needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have corresponding action or works, is dead. You're a hearer of the word, not a doer, right? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have corresponding action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. You know, when I was growing up, people used to say, yeah, do you believe in God? They didn't ask if you were born again. They said, do you believe in God? Yeah, I do. Well, you one of them Jesus people? No, not me. Well, I didn't know how to answer that because I didn't know what a Jesus people was. I never even knew that that old song by the birds, Turn, 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 was a book was out of the Bible. Can you imagine that? Till I started studying the Bible, and I thought that's scripture. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I'd say they do. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And there again, that perfect is complete. Faith, that faith was working together with his works. And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Living a life of faith takes action on our parts. Following a plan takes action. Having a vision takes action. You have to receive that vision. Getting revelation heart knowledge takes action. It's a study of his word. Getting the word. Acting on it. Believing it. Reading it. Meditating it. Giving it first place. God has a plan for our lives. General specific, important plan for every one of us. But it's up to us to develop and keep that trust in Him. It's up to us to pull on our inheritance, our heritage, to stay out of fear and into faith. They're polar opposites. And be doers of His Word. Putting action to our faith. What happens? He'll do the rest. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path.
path. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your word on every subject. We thank you for the privilege of being your vessels upon this earth. We consider it a privilege to be your vessels, to be doers of the word, not hearers only. You know, it's, it's not a job that we trudge to. It's a privilege being your vessels. We'll listen to your leading. You lead us and guide us and show us things to come by your Holy Spirit. We're here to listen. And Father, we'll act on faith. We'll put corresponding action to our faith. We'll study to show ourselves approved unto you workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Thank you for that privilege, Father, that we have the word of truth in so many forms, in written, on the internet, in, in, on telephones, in every area that we can touch, we have the word of God before us and access to it. We have no excuses not to study it, get it in our heart. So we thank you for that privilege. Now we honor you today. We continue to make our lives an act of worship and praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise continually. The fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to your name. So we honor you today and we bless you. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. Being your children. Being heirs of yours. Join heirs of Jesus. And we'll pull on that inheritance. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name. Shall we stand?